We're going to be in Isaiah 40 this morning. One of my favorite scriptures. Isaiah 40, 30, or 28 to 31, and that's on page 1121 if you're using one of our uh, pew Bibles here. 1121. Isaiah 40, starting with verse 28. And even though it's one of my favorite scriptures, it's not one of my favorite subjects. Waiting. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Do any of you enjoy waiting? Waiting on people, waiting on phone calls, waiting on doctor appointments, waiting on test results, waiting in line at the store, waiting for your car to get fixed, <laughs> waiting, waiting, waiting. I'm not very good at it because waiting requires two things that I don't have in large supply. <laughs> First of all, it requires patience. And second of all, it requires the ability to live fully in the present moment without worrying so much about what the next moment is going to be. I tend to be one of these, what's next? What's next? What's next? And I, I sometimes miss out on the joy of the now because of what's next. And so from my perspective, waiting time is wasted time. <laughs> but that's not necessarily true. It's only wasted if we waste it. I have discovered that there are good things that can come from waiting. Uh, for the past three years, going through all the things with Sue and her, her treatments, uh, I have had a lot of opportunity to practice waiting. Uh, just this last Tuesday, when we went to see her oncologist to get the test results, uh, he was running an hour and 15 minutes behind. And um, that really doesn't work too well for me <laughs> because the what's next was coming. <laughs> I, I took the morning to do the doctor and then my what's next was in the afternoon and I wasn't going to make it very well. But you know, when all was said and done, I had an hour and 15 minutes to just be with Sue in the quiet of that doctor's office. And we talked about a number of things that we might not have talked about had I been rushing to and fro doing what's next. And in hindsight, not at the time, I was doing a lot of uh, but in hindsight, it actually was a, a nice time. So I was drawn to Isaiah 40, which talks about not so much waiting on things in this world, but waiting on the Lord. Because the Lord has a tendency to make us wait. Verse 28 says, Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. 
Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Now, this is the NIV version. In the version of the Bible that I grew up with, the Revised Standard Version, it does not say those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. It says those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Some other translations say those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. All good words and all with the same meaning. But I want to focus on wait. You know, many times in the Bible, God called people to do something and then made them wait to do it. Let me give you some examples. Abraham waited 25 years to have a son after God said, I'm going to give you a son. He didn't tell him he was going to have to wait 25 years. He just did. <laughs> Joseph spent, I think, about three years in prison before he became the prince of Egypt. Moses waited 40 years in the desert before being sent to deliver Israel from bondage and slavery. David had to wait for his son Solomon to build the temple. It was his heart's desire to build God a magnificent temple so their people would come to worship. And God said, that's not going to be your job. That's going to be your son's job. You have to wait. Jesus waited 40 days to start his ministry. Baptized by John the Baptist, had to go out and live in the, in the desert, in the wilderness, for 40 days. And the disciples had to wait 10 days to receive the Holy Spirit after Jesus ascended. Wait, wait, wait. There seems to be a pattern here. I have a job for you. Great, what is it? You gotta wait. <laughs> and so I, I had to do some, some thinking and some looking into this scripture a bit to discover why would God do that? Why would he constantly tell us to wait? And I came up with four things. First of all, waiting gives us time to reflect on who God is. Before we do what God wants us to do, He wants us to fully understand what kind of God we're serving. Notice how this passage began. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't grow tired or weary, and His understanding no one can fathom. He said, you need to have a good clear picture of this God that you're about to do this work for, that you're about to serve. He's everlasting, never gives up, never gives out. He's always there. He's the creator. It all belongs to him. Everything I do in this world, I do for him because he created me and he created everything else. He doesn't grow tired or weary. I do. About the 10th puppet show yesterday, my knees were really getting tired. But I wasn't about to let these kids know that. You know, when you're working with a bunch of young teens, they can just go all day. 
I mean, they, they puppeted from 12 to 8, and then they were going to stay out there for two more hours and run around the park. I went home and sat in a recliner and went, uh, uh. But while I was out there with those kids, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm good. Let's do another one. Let's do another one. Come on. Let's get up in that trailer and do it again. <laughs> but I grew tired and I grew weary. And I sometimes grow tired and weary as we live for the Lord in this world. It's not always easy. Sometimes the right path, the righteous path, is the hard path. And it gets tiresome. But he doesn't grow tired or weary. And if I follow him, neither will I. And his understanding no one can fathom. The good news is we don't have to understand everything. How many times is something happening in our life and we say, I don't understand. And we look up to heaven and say, I don't understand. You know what his answer is? It's okay. I do. <laughs> All you have to do is trust me. You don't have to understand. You trust that I understand. And just follow me. And we'll be okay. So waiting gives us a chance to, to reflect on and gain a better understanding of who God is. The God we serve. Waiting also gives us time to realize that we cannot accomplish God's purpose ourselves. How many times in my life has God led me or called me in a, in a direction to do something and I took off? <laughs> I'm ready to go. And I realized he's standing back here going, are you going to do it without me? <laughs> are you really think you're just going to go off and do that? Get back here. I was one of those kids. We saw a kid at the park yesterday that had one of those. It was like a monkey, and it had a leash coming out of the monkey, and you strap this on the kid, so you've got your kid leashed. <laughs> and, you know, here's this kid, dad back here, you know, holding the kid back. Boy, if they'd have had one of those when I was young, they'd have had two on me, one for mom, one for dad, because I was constantly... Everywhere we go. We're in the store. <laughs> Quit running ahead. Wait on us. See that word? Wait. Wait on us. No. No. We're not doing that. We're moving on. And sometimes God needs to put the leash on me. Sometimes he needs to say, um, you need to go at the pace I want you to go and do what I would need you to do with the strength that I provide for you to do it. Notice what he says here. Even youths grow tired and weary. Even young men stumble and fall. We were never meant to accomplish God's purpose by our own wisdom, by our own strength. It was always meant to be done in partnership with him. In fact, in John 15, 5, Jesus said, If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing of any eternal value. I can do stuff apart from him. I can do good stuff apart from him. You know, I often, you have this conversation with people who, who don't believe in Christ, who, who don't care about 
faith, and they say, you know, I can be a good person, and I can live a good life, and I can do a lot of good in this world, and I don't need God. So, you know, you're right. You can give to charity. You can help children. I mean, you can just do all sorts of good things on your own. But none of it will have any eternal value. Nothing you do yourself will last. But anything you do for the Lord will. Because it continues to impact people long after we're done doing it. We never know the difference we can make in a person's life if we do it with God's help. You know, a person that you share your faith with and maybe they come to Christ as a result of, of your life and your testimony. A hundred years later, there will still be people coming to Christ because you shared your faith that day with that person. Because along the way, they've shared their faith with others. They've raised up Christian children. They've, they've gotten friends that they have talked to about the Lord. You just don't know the impact that you can have if God is in it and with it. Number three, waiting allows our feeble strength to be renewed and increased by God's strength. God says, you bring to the table what you've got, and I will make it enough. He gives strength to the weary, Isaiah said, and increases the power of the weak. You remember the old show, uh, Home Improvement, Tim Allen? What was Tim Allen's mantra? What did he always say on that show? No matter what he was working on, there was one goal he had in mind. You remember? More power. <laughs> if something had six horsepower, he said, I could give it 12. <laughs> he was always like, the, his, he'd work on the dishwasher, and he'd say, you know, this thing could wash dishes twice as fast if I juiced up the power in this motor. <laughs> but, you know, and the door would blow open and the dishes would fly out and the soap suds and everything would be everywhere and his wife would be sitting there going, oh, you know. But his goal was always more power. Well, that's also God's goal for us. That's why he gives us his spirit. Philippians 4.13, another one of my favorites, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And finally, waiting allows us to accomplish God's purpose not only in the short term, but in the long run. God doesn't look at our life like we do. I look at, you know, I want to do just as much as I can, as fast as I can now, in the moment, today. God says, I'm looking at what your life can accomplish over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. I see the long-term picture. That's why he said they, Isaiah says, they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I really connected with that verse back 
in the mid-80s, I was a youth pastor at Peru, Indiana, and we had a young man who dove into a swimming pool, broke his neck, paralyzed from the neck down. And uh, his family didn't have insurance. And I, I mean, he was getting the care he needed, but he was going to need one of these electric wheelchairs uh, that you could do by just blowing through a tube. And I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars. And he was part of our church youth group in Peru. And we decided we were going to raise money by running from Peru, Indiana to Methodist Hospital. 72 miles. <laughs> I was in slightly better shape than I am now. I know you're looking at me and going, oh, Lord. <laughs> he tried to run 72 miles. No, we didn't all run 72 miles. What we did, we had a van with about 10 people in it. And somebody started out the parking lot of the church running. And after two or three miles, the van would slow down. They would run up and jump in the van. Another kid would jump out and take off running. He'd go two or three miles. He, and we just kept tag teaming over the course of, of that run. And, and of course, I, I wasn't very old. I was only in my mid-30s, early 30s, actually, at the time. And... and uh, but I was still, I was running with uh, 16, 17, 18-year-old kids. And so it was a little harder for me than for them. Uh, but one of them had taken a, a Sharpie and a piece of cardboard and wrote this verse. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And while I'm back there, I still had about a, a half a mile to go on my stint. And they saw that I was laboring a bit because this was about my third leg. Uh, of running, and they slapped that up in the back of the van and just smiled. I ran that half mile the fastest I ever had <laughs> because of that encouragement. It was even more encouraging that the kids that I had in youth group thought of it. They actually knew a Bible verse. <laughs> I was so thrilled. <laughs> but you know, I, I remember that to this day, and, I, and when life gets hard, and I get weary, and I don't. I want to just sit down. Um, I, I remember Isaiah forty forty one. You'll run and not grow weary. You'll walk and not faint. Not because you're strong, but because He is, and He will never leave you. Let's pray together. Lord, I am so grateful for this, this teaching in your word. I'm so grateful that you gave Isaiah these words so he could write them down. And now, just thousands of years later, we can read them. And we can still be inspired and encouraged by them. Lord, life is hard. And life following Jesus is hard. We live in a world that does not honor what we honor does not value what we value. And we feel like salmon swimming upstream sometimes. But Lord, we know that if we don't give up, if we are patient, if we will wait upon you, you will give us the strength we need each day to do what you call us to do each day. So we ask it all in your precious name. Amen.